The following is a fourth-hand production. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Hysteria Nation. Listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Monsters. It's always bigger. In somebody else's lake. You dream about going to space. But that is a big mistake. Just look at two spaceships and aliens. Right here on the ocean floor. Such wonderful extra dimensional beings. Around you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's weirder. Take it from me. Man, I'm a really good singer. Oh, and the meat sacks are talking unidentified submerged objects next, on Hysteria 51. The shame undisturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? Not crazy. hysteria. You can't handle the truth. 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 Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never seen a USO. But that doesn't mean we're going to go looking. This is Hysteria 51. My boys call it the Black Lagoon, the Paradise. Only they say, nobody has ever come back to prove it. (laughs) Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, we are your hosts and head divers into the deep. Brent Hand and John Goforth. I'm rooting for the crocodile. I hope he swallows your friends whole. John! I'm excited for tonight. (laughs) I've been wanting to do this one for a while. USO. I can tell you're excited. Unidentified submerged objects. Now, of course, we've done an episode on sea monsters, which obviously, you know, some of these are going to be definitively 100% the Kraken. But, but, you know, what if some are something else? If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. (laughs) I feel like you didn't mean Betty White. There's something down there. What do you think he's saying? I'm <laughs> pretty sure that clip from the abyss didn't clear it up either. But we're talking about aliens, of course. Right, I mean, right, USOs right, right. are just underwater UFOs. That's exactly right. But, thank you. Uh, <sighs> and you would know that. That felt weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know it hurt a little, didn't it? Um, you would you would know that. I would know that. Our listening audience, our friends on the other side of the earbuds would know that. If the third member of this team would ever do his damn job. Don't get uppity with me. I'm not in the mood. That other voice you're hearing is the third host of the show and the least likely to enjoy a tour of a magnet factory. Conspiracy bot. Magnet factory. Are you trying to give me bad dreams? I built Seabot in my lab to help make this show great. Instead, he makes crappy <laughs> jokes at our expense and hunts neighborhood cats. Just doing my part to make America great again. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I don't about? think I want to know. I'm making America great again by hunting down the neighbor's cats. They're vermin, and they need to be gone. I feel like this is leading somewhere. I'm I'm stepping into a trap, but um, is this why you're in a bad mood? Well, yes. You know the Hanagans three doors down? I'm here without you, baby. <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you're welcome for that. Anyway, the Hanagans have a new kitten, and that damn thing is evasive. I've been hunting it for weeks and can't get to it. It's quite possibly the next step in feline evolution. Okay, number one, I told you no more hunting of the neighbor's cats. And I said no, 
Go on. <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> All right, hold on, Brent. Hold on. I, I, I want to hear him out. I want to hear him out. Seabot, uh, what is the cat doing that's, that's so revolutionary to you? Well, I'm going about this in my normal predatory way. Well, rolling back and forth in front of the house with catnip in your pinchers? Exactly. And not only will it not come out, but I threw a brick through the window and it still won't come. We're dealing with something special here. So you broke... <clears throat> I can't laugh at that. So you broke the neighbor's window? Shattered, really. Dude, Brent, Brent, I think I think you might be getting a phone call and potentially a large bill. No, no, they're too scared to even come here anymore. Because <laughs> he sits in the window with his eyes glowing at night. <laughs> Neighborhood watches serious business. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too bad that... It's too bad they don't listen to the show. They would know how non-threatening he really is. Unless you're, you know, a cat or, or a you. human near him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, all right. But before you, before we destroy him, let's get into tonight's topic. All right. You're right, John. What the hell is a USO? I mean, everyone knows, or at least I think they know, what a UFO is. And that's something that we kind of always you know you have your saying what's your saying about ufos well i mean we just we all have to remember that ufo does not mean alien oh, that's it yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> not what my move on monthly told me yeah i mean i know you probably hear this if you listen to the kind of world of the weird podcasts you probably hear this a lot and you're probably annoyed with hearing it but then everyone hears it yet they don't follow it they're like ufos do 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 no well, ufo i mean it could be a airplane in a UFO. In a UFO. It's actually um, Super Satan. He flies. But anything. <laughs> that was the Super Devil. I don't know if you watched uh, Family Guy. Sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to skip over your reference here. I'm just trying to get past it. But you won't. You're like a roadblock that grows. Maybe with Futurama. I don't remember. Super I, Devil. That's why I was trying to get past it. I remember the Devil Robot. When Bender oh, went to yeah. Robot Hell. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. yeah. Love that episode. <laughs> well, he's somebody you can get along with, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's tough but fair. Yeah. Another yeah, right. thing I like to say. Uh, but, no, w the point is this. When you see a UFO, it doesn't mean aliens. It can. It also yeah. can mean an airplane. It also can mean a, an animal of some type. A pie plate. A saucer thrown through the sky. A kite. A weather balloon. Swamp gas. Venus reflecting off the rays of the sun. <laughs> uh, sun dogs up in the clouds. What, what the fuck is a sun dog? Uh, a sun dog is like this thing that happens. I know what a sun bear is. No, it like comes through the clouds. It's like refraction of light and shit like that. I don't know. It's it's. Uh, is that like when people take a picture and they're like, God is smiling down on us? Yeah. And it's like the, sh the ray of light shooting through? It's like you're watching a movie and there's a lens flare, but it's in the sky. It's like crystals. Well, it's and they the make same like those thing circles. as a movie because we're living in a simulation. That's true. Don't forget that. It's a simulation inside a multiverse. <laughs> so if you're watching a movie, how many times removed are you from reality? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I am the top from Inception. <laughs> God damn it. It's funny. I always thought of you more as a bottom. Yeah. How about that? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so as we say that about UFOs, keep in mind a UFO. S.O. Yeah. is a show where Bob Hope does comedy. That's right. So if you want to know what a USO is, let's, let's let's take it away. Wikipedia with the Wikipedia definition of what a UFO is. An unidentified submerged no, you, object. You, USO. You said UFO. Damn it. That's going to happen a lot. That's gonna, I mean, just keep that in because it's so, going to keep going. An unidentified submerged object, a USO, is an unidentified object submerged in water. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's what 
we're talking about for the rest of the show, right? right? right. This doesn't, just like John said, this doesn't necessarily refer to an object of paranormal origin. It just means there's something under the water. You know when you're out there swimming in a lake and something brushes against your leg? That's a USO until you know. Now, it's probably a fish. It could have been something way more, wait for it, nefarious. Like that weird uncle? <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> Where's the fun of that? I mean, the, the fun is in the not knowing, right? When someone goes, well, actually, that was just a trout. I'm like, okay, sure. But everyone knows that there's 600-pound man-eating catfish by the dam. My uncle's cousin told me so. Right, right, right. right. You know? Can you also say that for the most part, UFOs are or USOs. See, I did it there. Yeah. USOs are also UFOs because in, in most Big most time. of the time they are they they have been at least initially identified outside of the water and then they go in the water, which is something we'll talk about. But a lot of times with UFOs, they're near water, they're sucking up water, they're coming in of going it out of water. So that's kind of a dual thing. But that doesn't always mean so. It doesn't always have to have been that way. Sure. And like I said, your minds automatically go to flying saucers, but underwater, these, you know, sub submerged flying objects. But that's not the only thing that can be a USO. John, what are some other options here in the USO uh, handbook? Kicking it back old school, almost 50 episodes or over 50 episodes are, uh, uh, no, 52 are um, sea monsters. Yeah. Sea monsters could easily be USOs. Yeah. Uh, um, other anomalies. There's um, all sorts of things that make pings when they're underwater and you don't and know. And refract light. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of those things that might ping back to you, a submarine. But until you know what it is, that, that can be a USO. Seabot's lord and savior, Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> That's an obvious one that we all know exists, so I don't yeah. know if it's unidentified at this point. Uh, I mean, uh, all those monsters that came out from, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Pacific Rim. <laughs> yes, yes. Until they, until uh, the two things that they really were fast at, figure out how big they were and then naming it something stupid. That, that was, uh, the, the, the new monster's out. His name, Blockhead. Well, who's naming this shit? Like someone in the military had that fucking designation. Were they the kaiju? Is yeah, the kaiju. Yes, monster. So I tried to watch uh, the sequel to Pacific Rim twice in a hotel, two different hotels, two different times. And I didn't make it through either time. You, when you're in a hotel, you're bored out of your yeah. mind. You know something is boring when you when you fall asleep during it twice in a hotel. You think that Charlie Day brags about his Pacific Rim job a lot? You got it mm. twice. Yeah, see I, that? I, it's low hanging that fruit right there. That was low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else could be a uh, unidentified submerged object? What Atlantis? Oh, if well, we are so to think that it's actually submerged. If I mean, yeah, because it, it, we all know that it's in Southeast Turkey, <laughs> better known as Gobekli Tepe. Yeah, that's right. What are some other things? Like when you think about this stuff, what are some other stuff that could be on there that we don't know about? Well, I mean, the funny thing is the Marianas Trench is the lowest spot on Earth that we know of. And years ago, and then not as many years ago, we've sent people down there in like the, when it was the 50s or 60s. We sent a sub, and then James Cameron went recently. But the first time they go down there, they get all the way down there, and they're like, well, there's nothing that can live down here. Turn on the lights. And they turn on the lights, and shit just scatters <laughs> you know, because it's down there. So, yeah, obviously, uh, lots of sea life could be a USO. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that, that a mythical creature to us that we thought knew existed was the gigantic squid. And we've now found a lot of them, but we've also found a lot of whales with sucker scars 
that absolutely dwarf those things. Who knows how big they are? You know, and we catch glimpses of stuff on radar. I think this is the second or third time you've told that that story on this podcast. I think you're just into uh, into squid hickeys. Squid hickey. Yep. That's that sounds like a small town sheriff. Squid hickey, private eye. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think uh, another if we're talking about USOs that uh, eventually could be identified, meaning they aren't aliens or something like that. Mm-hmm. Another category might be USOs of our own creation that we don't realize. Right. The number one thing that's going to ping off of various radar and and certainly reflect light would be various metal objects that we have dropped or accidentally thrown down there. Boats, people don't planes, re- right exactly, you know, and people don't realize what they are. That gorgeous, gorgeous Amelia Earhart, wherever she's lying around, you know. I mean, <laughs> it's just pinging, just pinging. It's too soon. I don't. Too soon. I don't. I can't. <laughs> Why gorgeous? Why not? You're talking about a corpse. Well, she was. She wasn't. That was the part of the joke. Uh, yeah, I, don't. I mean, maybe she was for the day. I don't know what people I, look I, like. I don't know what. I, I don't know what problem I have with it, Brent. <laughs> I just know that I feel dirty after it. <laughs> How many times have you had to say that to friends and loved ones? <laughs> More than once. <laughs> you know what? We've talked about a USO on this show before. If you remember right, wait, I, I know what you're talking about. The Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah, the the underwater Millennium Falcon. Episode 83, the Baltic Sea Anomaly. Everyone knows it's the Falcon underwater. It is. It is. Uh, we saw that we saw the pictures online. Uh, it was very detailed out by some I mean, some really good Photoshop. Now, and- granted. The sonar equipment that they used was dropped in the water, quit working, and they had first mate Lucky Louie try to solder it back together, and then they got those messages and and, and pings back hey, from it. How's the how's the sonar how's the sonar working? Is good. <laughs> um, this did, is sonar. Did you, did, so did you fix the whole thing? Is good. <laughs> Would you say that you'd like pork and beans for dinner? Is good. <laughs> Can you say anything else other than is good? Is good. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go find the Baltic Sea anomaly now. I fear because of my accent, you find me to be inferior. I have a double PhD in microbiology and electronical engineering. I stutter. <laughs> <laughs> is good. <laughs> yeah, the Baltic Sea anomaly is a, is is just that an, an unidentified submerged object that may or may not be there. It might just be a rock formation. It might be an old. Uh, base left by the reptilians. It could be a crashed ship. Oh, it's, uh, it's U- none of that, it but it could be. <laughs> could have been a UFO skid mark. Literally, that is part of it. They thought, you know, it didn't just come straight in. It kind of skipped. After, well, first it had to burn up the hundreds of feet of water yeah. that it would go through so it could actually hit the it's bottom. It's so hot, it flash boiled. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The stench was god awful. Which actually brings up a good point about USOs. You have to really want it if you're an alien or some other being that is actually operating a USO. A UFO, there's a lot less resistance. <laughs> Think about how much extra energy it takes to to navigate around in the water with a a, a large object than Once it does in you the have, air. Oh man, I can't even believe I have to explain this to you. Once you have mastered traversing time and space, you've realized that you put yourself into a time bubble and you slip through the fabric of time and space. Water's no different, John. I mean, <laughs> you should <laughs> you should know that. Are you, are you, you okay over there? <laughs> go, 
I mean, are you having a, you having a stroke? <laughs> hey, did you make something with almonds? <laughs> Not, so, what is the difference? I think is the big question. You know, we're talking about here between USOs and UFOs. Again, one is in water, dumbass. <laughs> yes, that is true. That's that's. He's accurate. It's one of the few times on this show he's been accurate. That is true. But what I was getting at is, like you were saying, they kind of go hand in hand, and you talk a lot between the two. Many UFOs are seen near water, and in some cases, even like I said before, siphoning water. That's one of the things people think that, like, maybe that has something to do with the propulsion system. Maybe they're just thirsty and they desalinize it if it's over, you know, (laughs) whatever. Maybe... They dump the pool after every day, like you're on a cruise ship. <laughs> they got to refill it, you know, and so they got to go to the lo- the the closest planet with water. Don't know. Or like Dave Matthews Band's tour bus in Chicago yeah. a decade ago when they dumped the commode Sometimes into the Chicago River a on, an, toilet. on an entire boat of tourists. Yeah, yeah. No, no lawsuits or anything came from that. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> so, uh, wait, or what was the um, what was the movie where? They have a a, a large was it X Men? They've they've got a large plane that they're all flying around in. But first, the the entire lake opens up, the water drains off, and it takes out takes off from uh, under it. Well, I mean, so they had that in X Men, but it's like the basketball court. But there's other things too. Yeah, what was that? It did come out of water. There's also an old Aliens movie where they come to Earth and uh, they're leaving, and they have to dump weight, and they dump their toilet over this field. And the next day, the corn is like four foot tall, like the ears <laughs> and stuff. And uh, yeah, I forget it. I for I forget the movie, but it's it was like a children's movie with aliens in the 80s or early 90s i'm gonna go with aliens yeah that was it It, yeah feel good feel good (laughs) yeah get away from her you You bitch bitch. yeah yeah but many 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 ufos become usos or start out as usos because they're seen coming in of or going out of water and it it's it's a funny thing because water it's such a mysterious, mysterious thing. Like, it's terrifying. We don't know what's down there. And there is stuff in there that uh, will eat you. It just will. Like, that. we are not the top of the food chain in there. We're, we're very much lower to the bottom. Uh, what What is it about water, John? And what do you think? Like, why do you think when we see these UFOs that become USOs or USOs that are leaving – what what could it be about water? It's easier to hide. So if they could have they could have bases down there, uh, we wouldn't know about it. There's what do they say that I, I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, but it's in the 80s or 90s a percentage not explored, not explored yeah. of the ocean. Yeah. Um. So it'd be much easier to hide than than on firm land. Uh, it also provides an opportunity. I, I was joking earlier when I said, you know, air resistance versus water resistance. I mean, I suppose depending on your technology, it could be much easier to just scoot around in in water. Maybe uh, so. I, I don't. You know, it, it, it does get the looky lose out of there, like you said. It's funny. Speaking of movies, I just watched. Uh, Coming up for this, I watched Cocoon because they were, you know, uh, they weren't, their ship wasn't in water, but they were underwater. And it's funny because they hire Steve Gutenberg to take them to their spot and they give him a map and he's like, the hell is this? He's like, it's a map. It's like, this is completely mapped surface of the seafloor of Earth. He's like, oh, um, I got it from a souvenir shop or something like that, you know, it's like, <laughs> but they're just like, um, Oops. <laughs> well, you, going back to how they get around in, whether it be by sea or by air, mm-hmm. 
conceivably, if their technology was advanced enough, they could be using water as a fuel source. Yeah, it could be a fuel source. It could be, be you know, something that they break down for propulsion. Maybe it is something that, I tell you what, it's an abundant resource on this planet. Freshwater isn't, but, but water is an abundant resource on this planet that, man, think if we could use that instead of fossil fuels to get around. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And there's always been talk about people that have used, you know, he made a car that ran on water and then he was silenced, you know, which, hell, that's probably oh, a that guy, upcoming yeah. uh, episode, you know. So it's one of those things where what you don't know with water is a lot scarier a lot of times than what you do because I don't care what you're doing. Your your mind, you know, runs and runs circles. And if we can sit there and say that the moon is a hollow base, it's oh this that and the other because it rings like a bell well who's to say (laughs) that was a violent ring john who's to say that it couldn't be underwater bases too which to me would make a hell of a lot more more sense it was a violent ring brent because i'm tired of this bullshit conjecture i want solid examples well guess what we're gonna go to the break (laughs) (laughs) but after that break we're gonna give you examples coming up on hysteria 51 how's that for a segue I was trying to set you up for because I, I saw your next thing set examples. <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever we love rosetta stone and we actually are users david you've really been using it even for longer than i what's your experience been like oh it's been great the thing is uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it so it's very high on pronunciation too so (laughs) you can you know learn how to speak and you know our show is all about proper pronunciation (laughs) in that pronunciation yeah that's right but it's it, they design it for long term retention, you know. It, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people, millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. (laughs) I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally though, this is something that we use and we have, both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long-term and uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started for Larry limited time. His Air Fifty One listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. How much? Fifty percent. Visit Rosetta Stone dot com slash today that's 50 percent off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life wow redeem redeem, redeem. how do they do it rashate your 50 oh. percent off <laughs> rashate <laughs> redeem it 50 percent off rosetta stone.com slash today do it 
today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hit me, hit me. I want the examples. I still want them. Aliens, John, are our bread and butter on this show. I, I don't think that's... I mean, we talk about a little bit of everything, but that's our bread and butter. And luckily, aliens and USOs go hand in hand. Kind of like... Or claw in claw. Yeah, or, or you know, globuloid to pus sack. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a bit... If you listen back to our alien species episode, this is a, you know you'll learn all about uh, globuloids and pus sacs. Aren't 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 those your pet names for each other? You yeah. and producer Lisa. Yeah. She's winking. Yeah, that gets her all randy. <laughs> oh man! So there has been a lot of people over the years that have seen USOs, just like UFOs. It, 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 but there are some big ones. There's some big examples of people that can see them all the way back. We're going to start with one, a cat you might have heard of. You know, he brings up a lot of back and forth. People like him. People hate him. Christopher Columbus, the Santa Maria, the Penta, and some even say the Nina, though less people say it, the, saw a USO. I I learned about this in school. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue and got attacked by aliens. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh, claimed India, <laughs> which happened to be America. It's like, oh, we're the first ones. Here. Excuse me. We're the first ones here. <laughs> <laughs> you mind moving <laughs> blanket yeah no. oh god no, no, it's evil that's why i said he's a very polarizing person so what did he see something in 1492 there were sightings of an unknown light during the first voyage of christopher columbus it actually happened on october 11th of 1492 wait we don't need to go any further i know what it was it was his conscience escaping his body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely this, the crew members of the Santa Maria and the Pinta, and people say the Nina. I don't know why that's such a big thing, but I guess the more people that saw it, the more likely it was. 
And if you know, Columbus kept his his journal, and he described the light as a small wax candle that rose and lifted up out of the water. And his son Ferdinand also characterized it as a candle that went up and down. So, John, what was it? What do you think? Acid trip. <laughs> really bad acid yeah, that, trip. That was what they were getting from the uh, East India Trading Company <laughs> at that point in time. Yeah. I didn't know that was around them. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, when they're looking at what it could have been, they say it could have been bioluminescence. There's a lot of things that give off light, things like that. But a lot of scholars figuring where they were at at that point in time have kind of ruled that out. And it was actually probably – a misidentified land sighting, like they were actually near land then and just didn't, hey, there's a light. It must be an alien. No way there's land over there. You know, <laughs> Our map says India is still at least 500 <laughs> yeah, whatever away. Right. So they, they say it was light was probably uh, light on Guanahani and others say it was not Guanahani, uh, the island of the first landfall, but an, another more easterly island that they bypassed in the night. And they there's literally a native going, hey, ship, yeah, over like, here, yeah, exactly, over here. We or you, just you why know, why don't you avoid being at sea for a whole bunch longer and getting scurvy and come over here? Or it was just them like out cooking, out doing whatever, you know, minding their own business. They see it and you know go, oh my gosh, this one is one that people go. Columbus saw USO, and then you read into it and you go, well, it's not nearly as exciting as you'd hoped it to be. Because it kind of gets explained away readily easily, but who knows what it really was? Well, then tell us, you bastards. <laughs> so there's the other one, and this is the one, and I, I was telling some people that we were doing this episode, and everyone goes, you doing Shag Harbor? You talking Shag Harbor? And I'm like, well, we're going to talk, and we're not only doing a Shag Harbor incident, but this is a big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. That was an obvious one, Seabot. We appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> so the the thing about Shag Harbor, this one, it's got a stamp made after it. I mean, it's obviously, this is a big one. Right? It's legit. It's an interesting one, to say the least, and it's one that gets a lot of attention. Uh, it's a reported impact of an unknown large object into the waters near Shag Harbor. Now, if you're thinking, where's Shag Harbor because I want to move there? Well, it's a tiny fishing village in the Canadian province of Nova Scotia, and it happened back on October 4th, 1967. A little long ago, but not quite 1492, but it's still a few years ago. But here's why this one's interesting. And it's anthropologists would call it CE current era. That's true. I just call it back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because these reports were investigated by a lot of people. This isn't just one of those things where they go, I think I saw something, Paul. Well, keep it to yourself until you die and don't tell anyone. Oh, you mean Roswell? That's our way. Yeah. Which this is actually referred to as the Canadian, Canadian Roswell. Roswell. Yeah. Uh, various civilian and non-civilian, like the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Canadian Coast Guard, other forms of military, the Royal Canadian Navy, Royal Canadian Air Force, agencies of the U.S. and Canadian governments, and even the U.S. Condon Committee, which we talked about on another episode. But what was... Uh, uh, about this the conning committee was was that part of project blue book yeah look, looking into reported events guess what they said nothing to see here yeah but we've got nothing to see here it, it actually sounded more like this brent nothing to see here nothing at all there's nothing going on here that's my cell phone what's a cell phone damn it <laughs> <laughs> so the story in a nutshell is people over there in the area started seeing a ufo or they saw like this yellow light and 
something crashed into Shag Harbor. And at least 11 people before the crash saw a low-flying light heading towards the harbor. Multiple witnesses reported hearing a whistling sound like a bomb, kind of like, you know, the... Exactly. Then a whoosh and a bang. Yeah, like something was going into the harbor. Now, these aren't just like the people hanging outside looking for UFOs. These are just people going about their business. And the, the big thing about this is... Well, no, all... they'd be looking for USOs, That's Trent. True. Well, at that time, this was a UFO was flying through the sky, John. Now, the object was never officially identified and th- therefore referred to as an unidentified flying object in government and Canadian documents. And the Canadian military became involved in the rescue and recovery effect. Why? Because you have all these people going... Uh, something flew through the sky, crashed into the water there, and we saw lights on it. There's an initial report made by local resident Lori Wickens and four of his friends. And so they're driving through Shag Harbor on Highway 3, and they said that they, they spotted this large object descending into the waters. They went to attain a better viewpoint, and Wickens and his friends saw an object floating around 250 to 300 meters or 820 to 980 feet offshore in the waters of Shag Harbor. So he actually contacts the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Detachment in Barrington Passage, tells him what he's seen. I just I like to think that Dudley Do Right is who they were they were talking to. That's time. who it was. Okay, yeah. okay. He's like, hey, I saw a plane or some sort of airliner crash into the waters of Shag Harbor. Holy shit! I mean, that's a big deal. And they- it's also oddly specific. We've talked about these before in, in UFO episodes. Uh, Two hundred and fifty meters above the water. So I I, I looked into this. Not uh, no. Offshore, not above the water, like how far offshore. So a lot of these things, they'll take boats and go out and you tell them about how far it out and they'll figure it into that. Now, that's a little easier to believe because how far was it offshore? Well, between this and this. About there, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Where are boots? (laughs) (laughs) So they actually scramble into action and they they form a search and rescue operation. And within half an hour of the crash, local fishing boats went out to the side of the waters to look for survivors, and they couldn't find any survivors. They couldn't find bodies or debris. It was all taken off either either by the fishermen or the Canadian Coast Guard. They were they were looking through this area, and they said that they found debris. Some people say, and it was it was cut. It was it was taken away. That sounds familiar. And then the Coast Guard. Canadian Coast Guard and a rescue cutter arrived about an hour later from nearby Clark's Harbor. Here's the problem. What? By the next morning, it was reported that no planes are missing, but everyone said, well, that's too fucking bad because I saw something go down to the water. Keep looking. That's a hell of a thing when you go, I saw a plane crash. No, you didn't. Well, these other dozen people did too. No, they didn't. (laughs) Look into this light. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So two days after the incident, is it? been seen a detachment of rcn royal canadian navy divers from a fleet of diving unit in the atlantic was assembled and the next three days they combed the seafloor of the gulf of maine off shag harbor looking for the object along with u.s navy divers who came in to aid them the final report no trace of anything nothing was ever there you saw nothing so it's that's fun. When when you said let's do USOs for a, a, a subject, the only one that I was like familiar with, other than the Baltic Sea anomaly, was Shag Harbor, mm-hmm. and and this to me is the most interesting USO out there. I actually find this one more interesting than the Baltic Sea anomaly mm-hmm. from a 
okay, then what was it? And the, and what the reason I find it that way is because I don't really believe in mass hysteria. Hey, <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge like you know. All of these people from different walks of life in different geographic locations yeah. saw the same thing, and oh, that was nothing. You're all crazy. So something happened, and that's why I, I find reports like this so much more interesting. And I also find it more interesting than like say um, Barney and Betty Hill. That I mean, that one's a little better because it's two people. But most of the time, it's only one. Mm-hmm. It, it's not to say that someone like Travis Walton, uh, Fire in the Sky. It's not to say that someone like him is lying. I don't mean that. I just mean that when you have so much more corroboration of story. Especially people that aren't directly involved. They just go, yeah, I saw that and I called it into the police. I called the police too. I called the police. Then the police are like, well, let's look. And the military's going, no, you don't need to. There's no plane. That's, the, um, that's why I enjoyed the Phoenix Lights so much. Yeah. Thousands of people across the state. Yeah. You know. Including a flying white herb. Yes. <laughs> I prefer Snake Plissken, thank yeah, you. Well, you know, everyone everyone has their, their faults. You know. <laughs> so here's the thing. That's a really interesting thing because you said that you actually dig this one. The next one's my favorite. I actually like this one better just because it's a little more weird to me. And this is the Norwegian USO. There's a lot of names for this one. But in a nutshell, this is this is this is my favorite of all time. In the waters of Norway and Sweden, there have been observations of unidentified submerged objects for a long time, going back to you know like World War II and before. And that was scary because Nazi U-boats were everywhere. We know that. We know. I mean, shit. They were. They doing, still are. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> depends on you know where those holes from the Hollow Earth open up at. I saw Iron Sky. That's true. But for real though, that was something that people were keeping an eye out yeah, for U-boats no. for a long time. Well. This takes place over in Sognefjord. So let's let's go over some of the facts of this place. And there's a lot of names like Sognefjord. There's a lot of fjords over there. So this is an interesting one. Sognefjord is the largest fjord in Norway, second largest in the world. It runs 127 miles long and heads inland. The maximum depth of this bastard is 4,291 feet. That's found inland. So it's deeper inland. It's deep, damn near going on a mile deep. And near the mouth of Fjord, adjacent to the sea, there's a sill and there's a riser. And it sits about 350 feet below sea level. And cliffs surrounding the Fjord reach heights of about 3,300 feet or more. So it's kind of this boxed-in, beautiful thing. If you look up pictures of it, it's very pretty, very deep, very large. And it's kind of, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And so this Norway Navy and some NATO forces are involved in this two-week-long observation and pursuit of a USO beginning November 12th and goes through the 22nd of November 1972. And in all, about 30 naval vessels participated in the search of the fjord for this thing. This is documented. There was something in there. What that was is for a debate. Now, a lot of people at the time, they were afraid it was a U-boat. They thought it was a Russian U-boat because this is the time of a very heightened Cold War, if you remember right. And NATO and all these people are like... Well, I don't. I wasn't alive. Well, you know, we've seen X-Men uh, Days <laughs> of Future's Past, so we know. It's actually unclear how this all began. Some say it was started with a sighting of a Russian sub. 
Others say an unidentified craft was witnessed flying, then disappearing below the water's surface. <laughs> Those are two very different things, both equally scary at the time. But on the 13th, two unidentified witnesses reported seeing a bright object on the water. And generally speaking, most reports say that a fast-moving vehicle was picked up, presumably on radar, off the coast of Norway. Remember, like I said, tensions are high in regards to Soviet Union and its intentions at this time. So if anything's picked up, they're going to look into it. And it just so happens you've got NATO and all these people here. It was somewhere along the way it entered the waters of Songnen Fjord, where the Norwegian Navy began to track it. They had these specialized sub-hunter helicopters that they brought in that, you know, look for subs. Uh, oh, so it's not just a clever name. Yeah, right. The Soviet U-boats especially. And they they were previously seen in the fjord U-boats, so they knew that they well, – this is something that we might better take seriously. They were seen in the fjord and along the areas around the Norwegian coastline. So the Navy was familiar with seeing them, trying to force them to the surface. They'd done it before, you know, as far as seeing them, so they, they had a plan of attack. Jump to the 20th. And it's seen on the surface of the water, and this is when they first get a, a good look at it. And it is described as a massive, silent, torpedo-shaped craft. Now, to me, that sounds like a more modern-day submarine when you look at it. Right. But what's the Navy do? They fire at it, and it dives into the water. So they fire depth charges at it, which depth charges are just explosions under the water. And explosions underwater, when you're underwater, mess you up. No effect is noticed. It keeps on its way. The Navy decides to blockade the fjord because it's easier to manage operations in this shallow water rather than that 4,000-plus-foot-deep inland. They know it's in this area. We're going to blockade the water, keep them in here, and we can figure it out. Now, if there had been a Soviet vessel in the water, it had been trapped. A craft that could fly or do some other shifty stuff? Well, maybe it wasn't, but well, they knew that. Not necessarily because... The Soviet vessel could have already left. But they were tracking it on radar at this point in time. They knew they knew whatever it was was in this vicinity area. At this time, it's not disappeared. They know where it's at. Okay. okay. I have I have problems, but go ahead. That, that's You can have lots of problems. We can do that on another episode. I think we're going to have your family here for that one, though. Uh, so November 20th at 1, USO was seen headed towards Fjord's southern tip. Then 15 minutes later, police officers saw it at Kvasmoy, a small island about 31 miles north of where it had been. So if they were seeing the same object, which radar was the only pick, the only things they could pick up, it would have had to travel at 124 miles an hour or 200 kilometers an hour. And at that time, that was an impossible feat given the technology of the day. At that island, some frigate ships dropped mines at this USO they saw, and they said it had no effect and it just kept going. So then the night of the 21st, Four witnesses saw four rockets shooting from the water at, at Hermansverk. And the rockets were silent and looked like red balls of light. So this thing is all over doing shady stuff, supposedly. And then on the afternoon of the 22nd, the Navy fired an anti-submarine missile at the USO. And at that point, the water's depth of 82 feet sort of caused a shockwave up to 10 miles away, and any conventional submarine would have been severely damaged, required to surface, or destroyed. The one they were tracking appeared to be unscathed and kept going. Throughout this two-week episode of everything going on, alleged reports came in of aircraft experience and unexplained electronical problems. Yellow and green lights were seen flying along the mountainside. Navy vessels registered sonar contact with something in the deep water. 
Surveillance craft witnessed unidentified objects that executed breakneck maneuvers even during fierce storms. And eventually the USO disappeared and the Navy abandoned the search. So the big question is, where did it go? And John, here's the next question. Did it take off into the sky to avoid the blockade? Or uh, was it was it blown to smithereens and we just don't know? And was it was it evil aliens or was it evil Russians or just nice aliens and we didn't know what we were doing? So I don't love this story. And the reason I don't love this story is... Because I said I do. Keep going. <laughs> yes, that's the primary reason. But the secondary reason is the the lack... Of, in 1967, I guarantee you they didn't have it on radar the entire time. It's a way that people tell a narrative. You know, like we could see it. We could see it. I was it, talking but, about that at that one uh, point in time. No, I know. I, I'm. I read about this thing too. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not going off script. I'm just telling you that that's the way the story is portrayed. And the the if they really had it on radar the entire time, they could have just gone straight after it. Like it would have been much easier to address. Right. It was it was cat and mouse, and which they during they, that cat during during that it. cat and mouse they did a blockade. So right. they, they sh- should know well at least it's in this area. Right, but during that cat and mouse, during the time in which they couldn't see it, it could escape whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I I I just think I really think this one really was a submarine. So how did it go 124 miles an hour, and how did it escape a blockade when it was trapped into a, a smaller area? Again, I don't think it was trapped. That's just my thought on it. And the the whole 124 miles an hour thing, they're using deduction. It's not like somebody had a radar gun, right? If it was seen here and we think we saw it there to go from point A to point B, it would have had to have traveled that fast. They're using deduction versus. I mean, it, it's not. It, it's not like we have a. Like I said, a radar gun. No, we so, just have experienced naval anti sub people that are saying this that are. I'm just playing devil's advocate sure. here. You know, they are trained to do this where we're not. So it's one of those and exper- hard to experienced say. military people shot at a shadow in the sky in the 40s in L.A. I mean, did people, they people or make did mistakes. they shoot at something in the sky that we don't know about? And it was at the end of that episode. You said it wasn't. <laughs> hey, who knows? I'm just telling you, we don't know everything we'd say. We don't know. No, I we're know. Using I, deduction. I, you know I, what I mean? But you asked me and that's my no, thought on that's my thought I'm on this story. back at you because. It's fun. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? No, that's that's my thought on this story. I just think there's um Yeah, it's 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 almost like we keep talking about with this one over time, I'm sure it's been embellished a little bit. And who's to say I don't here's the other thing. We looked it up to see how fast a sub would go. And one of the best things I could find is back in twenty fourteen, the highest in subs would go about forty six miles an hour, forty knots. That is a hell of a lot slower than they're claiming this thing went a long time ago. Now, granted, it was probably a U.S. craft of some sort, which was old by that time <laughs> because and it, it ran on on uh, re-engineered, uh, back-engineered <laughs> shit from from the 40s and, and and Velcro because that was from the aliens as well. No, who knows? That, that's a big that's a big leap. But the one other thing that's that's worth noting about this story is the story does come from. Um, the Norwegian Navy and NATO, meaning it comes from two military-like organizations, and they don't generally release reports that say, "Yeah, we've got no idea. We kind of screwed up. We weren't good at tracking it." They, as as they opposed like to, to the U.S. and the Canadian, which we go, "We saw something." They go, "No, you didn't." <laughs> Plausible deniability. Yeah. Hey, uh, no, no, it's someone might be hurt. They're not. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> uh, my, my point is that the official 
government organizations like that don't tend to put out stories where it makes them be in a bad light. That that's my point. Now so, you will see. I will say this: pushing, but not not pushing back on that at all. When we go to other countries outside of us, like Israel and and some others, have put out some stories about UFOs where there's like. We don't know what the hell this is. Oh, that's true. You're yeah. right. You're 100% right about it's that. It's a little bit more, and I'm, I actually agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying the only caveat to that is it's not the U.S., so there is a little bit less of that whole oh, swinging dick. You know what I mean? Uh, but it is, but, I think it's more human nature rather than U.S. nature to try to save your own ass and put out a good a good narrative. Uh, instead of poo-pooing on this, I'm just saying I think it's a fun story. It's my favorite if if, if any of that's true. There's so much more than vehicles. These ones that we've talked, I mean, well, the, the talking about Columbus, Christopher Columbus, you, who knows what that was. The other two, they were, you know, vehicles. Something was seen crashing. What if it's something else? Well, there's stories about that, too. And we're going to go to break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about what if it's something that's not coming from outer space, but alive down there. We're going to that after the break on Hysteria 51. Uh-oh. I'm alive down there. Yeah, that's right. Ask, no one wanted to know ask that. producer Lisa. <laughs> hey, you know that thing you said right before the break? Oh, about you being worthwhile host? Co-host, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That uh-huh. was during the break when you were begging me to stay. Uh-oh. This is the land of make-believe. All right. Here's a big one, an underwater anomaly that, man, this thing made the rounds. Were you familiar with this before? Absolutely. The bloop. It's a great, great example of onomatopoeia. <laughs> I'm sorry you dropped your dangling participle. <laughs> I thought we were just throwing out uh, uh, English terms here. No, 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 no. Mrs. Brownback would no, be proud. No, exactly. I do Mrs. remember. Brownback. I do remember. Uh, it's onomatopoetic. Onomatopoetic. Keep your hands to yourself. No, that's a different song. I think there might have been a schoolhouse rock about onomatopoeia. So the bloop was an ultra low frequency and extremely powerful underwater sound detected by the bloop. the u.s national oceanic and atmospheric administration noaa which we're going to call it from now on in 1997 <laughs> and like i said this one took the internet conspiracy boards by storm less conspiracy and more uh oh, what was that you know people people love to talk about it. and let's give him a taste let's actually play the sound for him Now, that is a sped up version of it because this is a it's almost one of those things. That if you didn't know what you're listening for, you probably just like, what was that? You know, right. But it's it's interesting, this thing, because according to Noah, it rose rapidly in frequency over about one minute and was of sufficient amplitude to be heard on multiple sensors at a range of over 3,000 miles, meaning it's fucking loud. At first, it really got the blood boiling of cryptozoologists. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like, oh, it's a cryptid. Well, and here's a reason for that. So Noah's Christopher Fox, uh, he was interviewed by David Woolman for an article in New Scientist, and he did not believe its origin was man-made, such as like a submarine or a bomb, nor a familiar geological event like a volcano or an earthquake. And Fox stated... 
that the profile, the audio profile, of the bloop does resemble that of a living creature. Boom. Salivation of. Yeah, of exactly. That type. And the source was a mystery because it would be far more powerful than calls made by any animal on earth. That's a hell of a statement. So there was nothing at that time known that could make a under now underwater sounds travel much further than they would above land, but still thousands of miles. That's a hell of a thing. And Woolman states in the article that Fox initially speculated bloop to be ice caving in Antarctica, but later came to believe the sound was of animal origin because here's a quote from, from Woolman. Fox's hunch is that the sound nickname Bloop is most likely to come from some sort of animal because its signature is a rapid variation in frequency similar to that of sounds known to be made by marine beasts. There's one crucial difference, however. In 1997, Bloop was detected by sensors up to 3,000 miles apart. That means it must be louder than any whale noise or any other animal noise for that matter. Is it even remotely possible that some creature bigger than any whale is lurking in the ocean depths? Or... Perhaps more likely something that is much more efficient at making sound. Enter Squid Hickey, yeah. Private Eye. <laughs> so the thing is, this this totally goes in with those people that are going. Like today, I saw someone put. Did they find a megalodon in the Marianas Trench? No. People just say that. Of course, it sounds great to say we don't know what's down there, but it's probably evil. And we're all going to die. I mean, because we don't know. This This has kind of been the theme of the show is what we don't know, we don't know. And uh, what we do know isn't that much. You know what I mean? And so it is scary. <sighs> this is just ripe because you've got a scientist saying, sounds like an animal to me, but no known animal. And then scientists are going, yeah, yeah, I kind of get that. And then everyone is passing this around and man, but then they finally, they did come to a conclusion. Yeah. So in 2002, it was said that it would be consistent with large marine animals. Although it was also consistent with noises generated by ice quakes in large icebergs or large icebergs scraping the ocean floor. And then fast forward 10 years go by and in 2012, Noah goes, guess what? It was ice related. And that's all that it was. So that's the accepted thing is either one of two things. Noah's right. They work with harp. They're the ones who were fucking with the weather. They broke that chunk off. So they knew exactly what it was. Or it was just Cartman and his buddy. Hey, dude, dude. Dude, dude, over here. Hey, continue. Stop. <laughs> that is more likely it was a cthulhu fart ah we finally agree it was just a they're about a minute long and be can can be heard from thousands of miles away <laughs> i don't know oh man so when you think of usos what do you think of what's that what's that term make you think of it does it makes me think of ufos that are doing most of their navigation underwater. Yeah. I, I don't think of cryptids or other live animals. Which it can be. I, mean, I, I know it can, yeah. but that's not what I think of. That, and that's funny, me too. I fall into that unfortunate thing of I, I do the same thing that we tell people not to do about UFOs is I just go, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, but anything that's underwater that we don't know about, just like anything in the sky. But that's also, I think... A, ISOs is an identified submerged object. We know what it is. I, I think a, a, a reason for that is how... 
how fewer of them there are. Go go try right now. Go Google USO and find mm-hmm. as many examples of USOs that seem halfway legitimate as you mm-hmm. can. Then do the same thing with the term UFO. And it's it's a hundred to one, which thousand is to one. Easily explained by they're real. So that is being dumbed down so we don't find Obvious. out what's going That's on. That's true. That's true. But use my, your fucking brain, John. I rarely do on this show. <laughs> um but the, my point, my point in saying that is there are so fewer examples that our minds are obviously, you know, your, your, your brain is set up to do one thing and that is complete puzzles. It wants to fill in the gap so it has a complete picture of everything that it's observing. And so funny you say that. And when we don't see everything, your brain fills it in. Right. And so the examples that are out there of USOs are generally speaking are what we described before the traditional thing, the traditional mm-hmm. thought. It's not like we've got all these other examples of like in the UFO world where there's things happening in the desert that we know are really the American military. There's no. th- things happening over Russia that we know are the Russian military. There's mm-hmm. uh, even, even if some of them are aliens, we know that some of them aren't, we don't have all of these examples. There's so many fewer USOs. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, pins us into a corner as to what we think they are right and that's that's to be expected you know you look on the water you go i don't know what the hell that is no no it's just bigfoot going for a swim i should have known like oh that's all it is (laughs) but it's it's all joking aside no joking aside (laughs) all, all joking aside a lot less of them are seen for a couple of reasons well we're not there to see them you know, we see this guy, you know, we're not over water. It's a hell of a lot easier to fly into water out of our eyesight and, and track us if there really were. If this was really aliens, that would be how I would want to do it. You know, from one way or another, you know, I would want a, an underwater base probably because you put it in a trench or in a cave somewhere. We'll never find it, you know, or we might someday. But I mean, it's going to be a long time. We did forget to mention the other possibility. I know we said Atlantis before, but that the sightings actually are the Atlanteans yeah. that, that live down there, much like Aquaman. So I was actually going to reference the movie Abyss. Remember the ending to Abyss? You oh, already... they get down there and they're, 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 all the water drains out? So you want to see the real ending to Abyss? Watch the uh, the alternate ending that they were going to use that got thrown out, which I like actually better. The ending of Abyss is all happy, oh yeah, it's all good and everything, you know. The real ending of Abyss is he gets down there and they show him Hitler and the Nazis and plagues, and it's just there's a like they're projecting these things they've gotten off of television of how horrible the people of Earth are. Meanwhile, the sea swell. And these giant tidal waves pause, ready to destroy mankind. And then it shows on the screen him typing. They've intercepted the, like, I love you, baby. I, I'm doing this for the better good. I know it's a one-way trip. And they're like, you get one chance. Like, this is it. And they come back up. And then when he gets up there to that military, he's like, yeah, we need to talk. <laughs> like, uh, we got some stuff. And like, it was a lot more doom and gloom, but he's, they still lived. I like that a lot better because yeah. they're like, hey, guess what? We've been here a lot longer than you. We are a lot more advanced. And uh, we're kind of tired of this. So, yeah, knock it off or we're going to knock you off. And then, you know, the seas went back down, which brings us to another thing, underwater Nazis. I mean, that is just, I think. We the, think, the, yeah. 
you know, they, 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 they've got their bases in the hollow earth. They can come out wherever they want. Right. It's just probably U boats. By now they call them U plus boats because so much time's gone by. Sure. Sure. And they're much better. I, I'm glad we've, we've got to the answer. <laughs> we dug it out. Oh man. So that, I, I think you can weed through Who wants that to and... go under the water? <laughs> I think you can weed through that and see, like, we don't know. You know, that's what's beautiful about this. We don't know. We, we're both hugely skeptical, but it absolutely, could be aliens and we cannot say no and we're glad that we were able to concisely and uh expediently tell you exactly what does happen under the water uh now that you've you've spent the last hour plus with us plate tectonics uh, you know it all yeah pangea just start saying things <laughs> it's like a flatter uh, centrifugal forward graviton yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bill Brasky. Bill Brasky. That's our thoughts, Nation. What are yours? How can they tell us, John? Go to Hysteria Nation. It's our Facebook discussion group. Just get on Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. That's right. And don't forget to hop on Twitter at Hysteria51Pod or Facebook.com slash Hysteria51Pod. That you can find our regular regular old Facebook page with this episode, lots of other episodes. While you're hopping on things, don't forget to hop on Patreon. You can get yourself a special edition T-shirt, pins. You can get posters, all sorts of goodies, up all night episodes, special audio dramas that we put out every week. Lots of fun. And guess what you can do? Well, I don't know what. You can hear yourself on the show. I want to. Well, you I just listen because you're on here ad nauseum. <laughs> <laughs> but how can they hear themselves on the show, John? Well, they can call us. They can leave a voicemail. It's 773-669-7277. That is 773-669-7277. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play it as evidenced by the wonderful voicemails we've been playing the last few weeks. Do we have more? We have a lot more. Oh, boy. Let's oh, go. Man, we are going. So here, without further ado, is voicemail numero uno. Yo, this is Brandon from Wichita again. Skinwalker Ranch. That's the ranch. Oh, I'm sure you guys have probably done something on it already. Um, oh, oh, that's the right. The movie was bullshit. I mean, it was cool visually, but let's stick to the facts. Brandon, that, they're coming uh, for you. Bob I can hear you right now in the background. Bought this ranch. Had nids come in. Cameras on poles and shit. Shit kept getting messed with and something would happen over here and then they get attracted and the light would go off over here and they, they'd get mm -hmm. screwball shit going on skinwalker ranch you should revisit and what about bob lazar i know you've done an episode about bob lazar but <laughs> no two yeah um this dude we could do this an episode dude said bob lazar now and it's interesting he went into what is that s4 with yep. the newer place that they were doing yep. uh bus right away alien spaceship and straight up said that he had uh seen you know different models mm -hmm. the sports car model the family model i've seen all these different models of extraterrestrial vehicles um said he got inside of them uh what about bob lear what about what Bob Lear says, he's the heir to the Learjet fortune. And this dude drew out on a old school YouTube video how these things uh, levitate. 
what, something along the lines of spinning mercury at a specific crazy speed that we can't even do and injecting... Yeah, spinning mercury. Hold on, hold on. Uh, got to rip the bong. Hold on. Something. Uh, he pretty much laid all this out. Uh, Bob Lazar, definitely revisit. Skinwalker Ranch, uh, what about? Um, <laughs> you know, Roswell again. He had hit the ball. <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is maybe you guys should revisit this stuff because I'm – Listen to all these episodes over and over again because I yeah. love them. I get that. And, uh, I like that. Man, they are coming for the <laughs> <laughs> right, it cuts out. Man, I got, so John Lear instead of Bob Lear. We have actually, we're working on having John Lear on the show, and then that kind of turned up. But we were in talks with him, and I was emailing back and forth, and then he kind of stopped talking to me. And that dude is out there, um, 9-11 truther, and the aliens are here, and we're all going to die. And uh, wow, he's wacko. You know, the way that Brandon describes uh, Bob Lazar or a past, a past event is much like when we get an outline from Seabot, when we let him do the... Uh, what about this? And the Oh! <laughs> I'm taking a quote from Brandon here. S4, the place where they were doing that space shit. <laughs> that's a, that's the research, the level of research that Seabot provides for us. So I uh, dig that, no, because Brandon is really excited about this stuff, and I like it. That's how I get when I start digging into something. I, I, I almost don't know where to start sometimes on episodes I'm really into because I'm like, oh, what about this? What about this? I get it. I'm with Brandon. I am Brandon. <laughs> Literally, you literally left the voicemail. Nah, this is Brandon from Wichita. I'm going to Wichita. You know, S4, that place they're doing that space shit. I'm with you, Brandon. I'm not making fun of Brandon. I'm just saying that the way in which he describes things is eerily reminiscent to Seabot and yep. the way in which he provides us outlines. Liar. I never do shit, and you know it. Stop the All point. right, next up, next, uh, next voicemail. Hey guys, congratulations on your 100th episode. Oh, finally a Skinwalker Ranch episode. <laughs> you guys are awesome. And Seabot, would you spare me from the robot apocalypse for a Barbasol vodka no. and Windex cocktail? No, I love you, Seabot. No, and I've got a couple suggestions. No, we need more Joe Peck and <laughs> more. Tugboat, tugboat noises. <laughs> Seriously, congratulations! <laughs> and here's to the next 100 episodes. You guys rock! I'm glad you're going good. And I want some tugboat noises, please. Tugboat noises. I liked. I liked the first version. Tugbutt. <laughs> Tug, tugboat's coming to party tonight. Well, thank you, uh, mysterious unknown voice. You didn't identify awesome. yourself, that but a- that was a great voicemail. So we thank you. Piss off, lady. I never liked you. That. Hey. Yeah, yeah, hey. Know. All right. All right. I, I, thank you very much. A hundred. That, that, that kind of triple digits made us feel a little bit more um, like we're established a little bit. We've been we've been around the block, John. Right. I think that's the best way to put it. I, I know you have. <laughs> well, my wife asked a lot of questions before we got married. Right, here we go. Hey, um, I wanted to leave a message just to let you know. I finally listened to the uh, simulation argument episode, which is a subject I really enjoy um and you know read a lot about and i wanted to say it's interesting toward the end uh one possibility you did mention is that if you were to consider that it's not a possibility. infinite universe where 
you know, anything's possible and will be possible. Maybe what we're observing, including the simulation, is actually just one of those possibilities, and it just happened. Uh, meaning it kind of materialized by itself. We literally um, it had was this conversation this idea last of weekend. bubbling universes and each universe is infinite. <laughs> I know it's a little crazy, but you know that's another possibility compared to, you know, uh, there's absolutely a god doing this. Um, I'm just so pausing at, real quick because we literally had this we're conversation. We're at the Hysteria 51 meetup, and we have about six or seven people standing around talking. And I just stopped everybody and say, "Okay, everybody, got a question for you. You can only pick one." Are we living in a simulation or are we living in a multiverse? And Brent's head exploded because he was so angry he couldn't give both answers. Because I kind of said what he just said. I know. Pretty I, much, yeah. Uh, but, and we had this conversation for 45 minutes. I know. It, it, it went for a while. Now, it doesn't answer the question who created that bubble universe. But I just wanted to mention that even within our universe, if it is infinite, you know, guys, the limit is how many, um, Things will be simulated yeah. or will be happening. Uh, of course, sky's the limit if you believe the Earth is around. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> anyway, you take care and love you guys. You do an amazing show. Oh, thank um, you. There you go. Something to think about. The one thing he said that was wrong is the sky is not the limit. The limit is the amount of RAM that we have. <laughs> How many we can run at the same time. Well, you know, I hope we're not Linux-based. That's going to upset me. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. But, but, you know. but, Brent, it's just so much better than the other things out there. You don't understand <laughs> the other operating systems are so limited. I don't know. One more? You want to do one more? One more. Let's do one more. I'm having fun with these. Hey, yo, Siba. Hey, this Tony. Hey, man, I don't like you not answering your phone, man. I do this job for you. You know, I go over there and make him not, uh, not open his mouth so much anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I told you. And, and you don't answer your phone? I mean, you don't pay me? Fuck this hack pussy bitch. <laughs> I pay no man. We have warned I've him been time. waiting for that to happen. Yeah, I, you can't continually contract people via the internet to do nefarious things and not think it'll blow back on you. I told him to stop hanging out near the Italian Legion. <laughs> not to say that was an Italian. I hate to be insensitive. He could have been, you know, from Missouri. <laughs> hey, oh, uh, I'm from uh, St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> human, about it. human St. Louis. Yeah, yes, uh, I am from Human St. Lu- St. Louis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that was—I don't know why I'm having a lot of fun listening to all these uh, these voicemails, man. So we got a few more. That's enough for this one. We still got more, and I've only downloaded these. We have several more I haven't even downloaded to to play yet. We don't listen to them, so got to get those ready. Again, if you want to hear yourself on the show, 773-669-7277. Oh, John. I'm exhausted. Yeah, I'm. Let's I'm, call it. Let's let's call the game. I'm USO'd out. It was probably all the shitty voicemails from losers. You, and with that, I'm done. Yeah, with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been an asshole. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.